Yeah, only for myself and Stephen really were holding this whole thing together, which leads us on perfectly to chatting to guess who? Stephen Ferris. Stephen Ferris. Let's preview Ireland versus Wales. Stephen, last week we were chatting and you were saying to us that the one thing we didn't want from the England game was to ship a heavy defeat. And we were all kind of hopeful that Ireland weren't far off hitting form. After that game, how far do you think we are now? Yeah, well, I think it was ship a heavy defeat and also pick up an injury. Um, and both of those happened, obviously, with a Kane Healy injury. But nobody really understands the, the extent of that. Um, and then, obviously, a huge thrashing at the hands of our arch enemy, England, um, who it wasn't so long ago we beat them in Twickenham and won a Grand Slam. How things can change so quickly in, in professional rugby. So, oh, yeah, like I was over the game, I was working at it. It was just so deflating to watch you know seasoned pros get absolutely demolished like um, and there was no answers for it like you know when England scored a try in the second half you know the lads were gathering underneath the post and you just see the likes of you know uh, Stockdale and Bundyaki and Ringrose just looking around for answers and nobody had any answers and it just seemed like one of those days that the forget and we draw a line in the sand try and fix things uh, this week in training especially the line out and then you know try and put it to the back of your mind because it's something that could possibly leave a lot of scar tissue there going forward yeah like the line out there are things like that and tactical things like that that um, obviously malfunctioned but something like say for instance we had 21 missed tackles in the first half alone I think we had 34 overall Explain to us what yeah. does that? What, where does that come from? Like, is that an individual thing, and um, that there's a lot of guys off their game? It, that that's contagious, maybe throughout the team, or is it more of a systematic malfunction? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. But in saying that, if you miss one tackle, um, it's going to leave you exposed somewhere else. Um, you know, as soon as a team gets in behind you, it's a lot easier to expose the likes of Stockfield or Bundy, and you know those other missed tackles come along. And I think. Straight away after the English game, everybody was talking about Jacob Stockdale, how poor he is in defence, and he makes the wrong decisions, and you know those those old demons coming back to haunt him again, like they did um, maybe eighteen months, two years ago when he first came on the scene for Ireland about his defensive capabilities. And when you you go through it and you go over the video tape again, and you look at the system that Ireland are are trying to play and you look at I think it was against Wales they were kind of coming up and in and then sometimes on Saturday a couple of lads were going soft and then somebody would, would hit in and leave somebody else high and dry and to be honest when it comes to that it's just all about everybody doing their own things and not working through the system not working as a collective and if you're not working as a collective a collective in the back line you can forget about it um, but it's it, You've really got to match them up front. You've got to stop them on the game line. The CJ Sander missing tackles. Um, I think Henderson missed a couple. Um, and you just got to make out your first up hits. And that makes the rest of everybody else's jobs a hell of a lot easier. So to answer your question, it's a bit of both, you know, to try, to try and fix things. Sometimes it's a mentality thing. Um, and, you know, Ireland just weren't at the races when it came to having the mentality right at the weekend. Stephen, you've played in a lot of teams with Ulster and Ireland that would have been on various, you know, levels of form over, you know, you'd be maybe struggling in one team, going well in the other. How much of it is a mental issue that might be, you know, we're talking about those missed tackle stats, but 
that there they were astonishing. But what even was more noticeable to me was that we were almost tackling soft every time England, you know, wanted to hit yeah. the gain line. They could get you know four or five yards on the tackle. Obviously, go forward ball quick. It just seemed like the players were playing with their head down a little bit. Maybe after the first twenty minutes. I mean, you've been in these situations where things might be going well. Is it a, is there a mental block that comes on a team where they just they feel like nothing they can do is right and it just makes them play all the worse? Yeah, I suppose, lads, there was nothing on the line at the weekend. You know, yeah. it wasn't a competition, it's a friendly. Um, so straight away, the mentality is going to be different before the match and the week leading up to the match. Um, your mentality is going to be different. Of course it is. But at the same time, there's got to be a level of professionalism when it comes to actually doing your job on the day of that game. It's a test match and Rory Vest and um, um, the rest of the lads kind of held their hands up after the game and said, we were not good enough. And, 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 you know, for us not to be good enough is unacceptable. And I think on reflection after the game, they will be highly disappointed with the level of physicality that they showed, the level of commitment and, you know, that has to change getting into this Welsh game. But you know what, lads? I think this didn't all start two or three days before the English game or 20 minutes into the English game. Like, if you watched the Italian game, it was exactly the same. It was horrendous. Yeah. Like, there was no energy at all. There was no buzz. There was no atmosphere. There was no big hits coming in. Um, I know I talked about it um, a couple of weeks ago with you lads about, you know, making game-changing moments and, and you know trying to make a name for yourself. There was none of that again at the weekend. And if that doesn't happen against Wales in Cardiff this coming weekend, then, you know, these alarm bells are just going to get louder. Definitely. And there's a, there's a sense of, like, 2007, I know you remember well, like, and that was in the World Cup where yeah. that was happening, where it was, like, the Namibia and the Georgia games. And it just, like, it just felt like a funk. You were, like, every week it was going to be, oh, we'll be out of it this week. But it never really happened. Yeah. And it's a very hard thing to pull yourself out of. And luckily this is earlier, as you mentioned last week, than, than it was in 2007 when it was actually on top of the World Cup. But what, like... Players don't become bad players overnight is a, one of the oldest cliches in the world because it's true. Same thing with coaches. Joe Schmidt's not going out with no game plan or, you know, a poor game plan all of a sudden. But yet Ireland sure. Ireland are in a situation where we're kind of, you know, going back to type when in possession, say, even if you take the terrible defense out of it of, you know, throwing it to the standing receiver who's too deep yep. and so on and so forth. CJ Sander not getting any carries in the game is just beyond belief, really, for a number eight like Sander. Yeah. Like, there's something wrong there. Do you, like, from you watching, I know you were on the sideline as well. It's guys, so you have a different almost perspective. Is it like a different, is it the, I don't know. I, I, I just find it really hard to understand that Ireland, under one of the best coaches nearly ever, we think, could go out with seemingly no game plan. Well, and, and this is the thing, you're struggling to try and put it into words to ask me the question of what's going wrong. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, because everybody is just baffled at, at, at what happened at the weekend. Like, honestly, I was on my way out of Twickenham and there was Irish fans that were saying, that's an absolute disgrace. I've paid big money to jump on a plane from Dublin here this morning, come over, go to the match, pay your match ticket, a number of drinks on the way and get a flight home again. And they were at, like, it wasn't like they, you know, had went to Twickenham for a good day. Like, they were absolutely furious. They were fuming. And if, if 
Ireland don't buck up their ideas, then they're going to have this a lot more. They need to they need to put in performances. They need to put in um, commitment levels that are going to give the, all the travelling support, all the fans, everybody that's going to be watching on the TV come the 22nd of September against Scotland, belief. And at the minute, there is no belief. And why is there no belief? It's because of the level of performance. And that started a couple of weeks ago against Italy. Now, I was chatting to um, a couple of people before the game that were out in Portugal. Um, and the lads had the legs run off them. They were training really, really hard in that week. And I was like, well, you know, with the 23 lads that were involved in the game, were they training as hard as everybody else? And the answers were yes. So, you know, post-game, there was sort of heavy-leggedness. Chat from Joe Smith, there was, you know, a bit of fatigue crept in. I definitely think that this Ireland team, it almost looked like it was the end of the season and they were completely burnt out. That's the way it kind of looked. So, fingers crossed, there's um, a lot of downtime this week. Sometimes less is more um, when it comes to training. And they get the energy back, they get the buzz back. And, you know, against wheels, I think everybody, all we want to see is commitment and physicality and you know playing for your country it means a hell of a lot I know that it means a hell of a lot and you know just go out there and express yourself and if they do that then we'll put in a performance that every Irish fan can be proud of I was um, on that note actually and like, obviously there's a lot more needs fixing in terms of um, game plans and the like but could this be in a weird way a, a small bit of a, a positive thing for Ireland that they can get together now, you know, they create a bit of a siege mentality in the camp. Nobody's given us a hope going into this World Cup. Nobody's even given us a hope going into this weekend. That there's that kind of thing that, that we're going to show them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple of mates of mine said to me um, after the, the Six Nations campaign that it almost felt like something needed to happen within the Irish team for it to like shake it up. So like, you know, whether it be a punch thrown in training or whether it be, you know, something just to spark something and to kind of galvanise this group of players again. Now, is that a 57 point to 15 drumming by England that might actually say, okay, lads, this is the reality of it. If we don't perform, this is the level of competition that we're going to come up against in the World Cup. And this is, you know, this is unacceptable. So maybe that performance at the weekend is one that they can use to their advantage to get into the World Cup because they know if they're off the off the mark by five or ten percent that they're going to be in the wrong end of the of the result. And, um, maybe as you say, you know, this week might be a time of reflection um, to kind of call one another out. You know, hold your fellow colleagues accountable for making mistakes. Um, make people feel that their jersey and their shirt isn't sewn onto their back and that they can be dropped and you know I think this week is going to be a very very tough week for some boys in that group in that group and that squad but if you don't do that then you know the same things are going to keep happening and um, I think Joe Smith's the type of guy that won't uh, won't sit well with a performance like that and you know what I think there's a good number of those players as well that won't sit well with either so um, please God fingers crossed that the lads go out and um, you know, really do make up for that abysmal performance the weekend. We won't ask you who the person most likely to throw the punch in training would be, <laughs> but I presume it's Johnny Sexton. Yeah, what about Wales then? So, like, I think that's one of, it's going to be one of the most interesting team selections that we'll see because 
you know, there was probably a plan for this uh, last week that would have been different than what it's going to be now after what happened. We saw Joe Schmidt come out unexpectedly yeah. to face the media yesterday. They know that this isn't, like, they're not trying to hide behind, oh, it's only preseason, don't worry about it. They're fully yeah. admitting that things aren't right. Do you expect him to go out and throw these guys out to the Wolves again? Here's close to my first team. What have you got, lads? Prove yourself. Or, you know, is it a case of some of you are going to have your jerseys taken off you here and we're going to see what the what the other yeah. guys can do? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think guys like Rory Best, Peter Amami will want to go again. There's a certain element of pride, you know, redemption that they want to uh, they want to have. So you know, they, I think they'll want to step up to the plate again, and you know, they'll not want to miss a week um, after the performance that they've had. So I think James Ryan will come back into the fold. Uh, Andrew Porter obviously was up for media duty, so will he start this weekend? Possibly. Um, and then I would like to see Tank Burn get a start. I was sitting thinking on the plane on the way home after Saturday's performance. If we get to a World Cup quarterfinal and we come up against a big physical New Zealand team or a South African team, would it be out of the realms to play Tag Burn at six, Peter Romani at seven, and Conan at eight? You know, is that, is that something that Joe Smith would like to, to think about? Well, if he is thinking along the same lines as me or some of the other people out there, then he's got to do it now. you, you got to experiment. you got to different combinations out. and you look at what Eddie Jones did at the weekend with playing Curry and Underhill they performed so well with each other the combinations were great Owen Farrell playing 12 and George Ford playing 10 it just seemed to work and different things are going to work against different opposition so if Joe's thinking that way in, in terms of trying to get combinations that are going to work throughout the World Cup for different, different games and he's got to try it now he can't wait until the Scotland game or um, you know uh, the Japan game or Russia mm. game or whatever he's got he's to think about it now you're yeah. probably going to target this as a game as well that you've got to go all out to win like last week we were talking about just you know you want a, a decent performance but even just to to quell some of that fear and the anxiety that we have going into this World Cup now that this is a game that you really have to target that to get as if not at least a win but get as close as possible yeah. to win perform at some kind of standard for 60 minutes or whatever isn't it well, I don't know how you feel. Like my expectations aren't that high when it comes. You talk about getting a result. You know, going away to Wales in, the, in the Principality Stadium to, to get a result there is, is bloody tough. So you're saying it's all possibly it could all be about the result and just grinding out a, a victory over there. <sighs> to be honest, I would take a ten point loss, but actually have a really, really good performance and then try and back that really, really good performance up the following week and try and end the camp the World Cup warm-up series campaign on a high and with a win. But I, I would much prefer that than, you know, have a pretty dismal performance, but, you know, just grind out a slugged uh, two-point win. I'd love to see a, a half-decent performance by this Irish team because it feels like an eternity since we last had one. Yeah, Wales one to ten point uh, win is nine to five on Ladbrokes. Uh, I know that's kind of what we went with with... Uh, with England last week, and they <laughs> they made a, a joke out of it. But um, now, lads, don't don't be going down there. Now, I said just go with the spread. Like, <laughs> oh, you did actually, yeah, as well, yeah. <laughs> we kind of forced you into the six to ten, I think, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. We've already given you the win on that earlier in the podcast, anyway. So I was just it was it was a half and half, but yeah, you're two 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 tips out of two for us uh, this week. But um, I don't know if that's what you're looking at. Obviously, Ireland are um, so Ireland are plus four, um, which you know seems like you know 
I don't know, Wales minus four after the performance <laughs> okay. we saw last week. Like, don't forget, Wales Wales do have those kind of, like, have that that game against England, as we, we mentioned it briefly last week, that was, you know, close to test level. We saw England again were close to test level, if not beyond it, last week, and we were just the ones who weren't. In our two games so far, we're rambling along while the other teams are up to pace. Yeah. I think team selection is going to have a lot to play in terms of what way I would go with this game. I just can't see Ireland going with another really poor display, um, the lack of energy that I've already talked about and the commitment. I just can't see that. And there's too much pride at stake here. So I, I, I think that Wales are going to win this match. Um, they've got a bit of momentum behind them. Uh, by how much, I'd probably go a score. Seven, five to seven points. So I would probably go with the spread on on on, uh, on that um, in Wales' favour. Uh, just lastly, as well, looking ahead to the World Cup as a whole, one thing I don't want to sound like uh, Mike Bassett's assistant and Mike Bassett, England manager, but uh, what about England? Like that, they are looking serious contenders now, and you've got it. Like I don't know what you're thinking in terms of you. Obviously, got like New Zealand, South Africa, but. I can't see that England team looked. It looked like men against boys, obviously at times, and maybe that a lot of that is down to just how good England are. Yeah, I was standing on the sideline, guys, and honestly, the size, the sheer size of those English players was astonishing. And I was just looking at Billy Vinopolo and saying, "Thank Lord, I am not out there trying to tackle <laughs> that guy," because the size of them, like Sam Underhill, was probably the smallest English forward on the pitch. And he had muscles popping out of every orifice of his body. He was just absolutely huge. And, you know, when it comes to it, guys, you know, rugby is a strong, big, physical sport. And if you generally have a much bigger physical team, it's going to be a hard day at the office. And, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to struggle against England just because of their sheer size. Like I told you, he was just... The game that he had, he was... He's outrageous. Zero until yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like, um, and you know, there's a lot to be said for for our athletes when it comes to professional. Unfortunately for us, Irish, you know, the English seem to have a lot more of those in their squad. So, you know, fair play to England. They played a really fast paced game. Eddie Jones mentioned about want to have a lot more passing in their game, and that's why he picked four to ten. That seemed to work great. But you had your forwards doing the hard yards and bursting through the tackles, uh, giving a really good quick ball so um, but then flip the coin over how bad were Ireland you know were England actually that good were they unreal were they the best thing from sliced bread or did Ireland make it look like that yeah, England 5-1 to one, uh, to win the World Cup. Still behind New Zealand, South Africa. Uh, Ireland's still 7-1 uh, to one on Ladbrokes uh, for, ahead of Wales. I think, uh, you know, I, I there is... Wait, I, wait the next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait till next week. Next week, before putting your money on Ireland. It's funny, I was going to say, like, I, I, I just would be interested in that England 5-1. to one. I know it's funny because we can't, on one hand, talk about how terrible Ireland were and how we weren't at the races, and at the other hand, talk up England like as if they beat a world-class team playing at a world-class level, you know. But they were so good. And yeah. it's funny because me and Mark both immediately mentioned Itoji when we were talking about this on Monday and then you brought him up there. It's like, I don't know if there's a... I don't, you, as as a, you know, a forward yourself, like to have somebody like that who can do all of the second-row duties and to be so good and do the basically a back-row's work on the ground as well, like it's just such a benefit to the team. And if you look at 
basically playing two sevens plus a Toji plus Vinopola, who's pretty good on the ground as well. Like England, they're just going to be a yeah. nightmare um, to keep the yeah. ball against, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. Even Marco Vinopola, he gets himself set. Yeah, he start as well. He gets a bit of a ground ball. You look at the carriers that they have, like the carriers, and this is something that concerns me with Ireland at the weekend. Who's our biggest ball carrier in the pack? Generally, usually, DJ Sander. He didn't many times that he carried the ball twice the whole game or something. Yeah. Like, you know, and then you're looking at Keane Healy and Tag Furlong. I know I mentioned this in uh, previous shows, but you look at the English team, uh, stark contrast. You know, every single one of their forwards can carry the ball and get you go forward. So, like, yeah, it's, it's madness to, to think of the, the talent and the, the size and physicality of the English boys and what they have at their disposal. But fair play to Eddie Jones. This is what he's, what he's been working towards this last couple of years. And you if you can remember the pressure that he was on not so long ago um, and everybody was calling for his head how he's turned things around and made sure that he's picking for the right time yeah hopefully uh, next week Stephen when we chat it'll be I'm a lot, on a lot more positive note but thanks very much for taking the time to talk fingers to us fingers crossed cheers lad thanks as always Mark England 5-1 to one for the World Cup is just interesting me in this kind of horrible way I don't want to back England for the World Cup but they're just they're so bloody good at the moment, and yeah. it's just like it's like they've been primed for this. Whereas we tried to win six nations in between the World Cups. And yeah, the, like the talk and all the chat. Obviously, since the match has been the the bit of a scutcheon we got at the hands of them in the second half. Of the first, but like what really caught my eye in the first half was the first twenty minutes. I thought we played quite well, but I just couldn't get over how good England was. It, it, like it was one of those where you're kind of going, "Geez, our lads are going at it here." There's a big improvement from uh, the Italy game, but England are just. So quick off the line. They're so, as Stephen was saying, they are so physically imposing that yeah. I was like, this is men against boys. And like, you're saying men against boys. And the boys are, if they walked into any room in Ireland, they'd be the biggest person in the room. Yeah. And too laggy just running over blokes. But like, you kind of, like, you don't expect them to do it that much. But even Johnny May is like, and not only, like, obviously he kind of knocked out Conor Murray. Nobody wanted to see that. But three or four times before that, he'd done it as well. Just kind of knocked over lads and run through them, you know. And that's just Johnny May. Like, he's a big winger, but... He's still a winger, you know? It's just, oh, they're, they're scary. But anyway, I just think it's kind of sad that I'm already looking at how other teams are going to get on the World Cup and looking at their prices and stuff like that because I hate to say I've given up on Ireland because I certainly haven't, but I'm so down on it at the moment. It was just, it was really dispiriting. Like, I actually turned off the match at 50-10. I thinking there's nothing more to watch here. Why am I wasting my Saturday? And that's just not a good place to be. No, but that being said... You know, like we're saying, you don't become bad players overnight. They are now going into the World Cup as underdogs that we'll all be hoping... Fourth favourites. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that way, but in our minds. Um, yeah. And in our hearts. <laughs> exactly. And hoping that they can pull off something. And speaking of underdogs, we'll be hoping they can pull off something big. This weekend, the All-Ireland Football Final, Kerry against Dublin. Let's preview it. <laughs> 